Would you turn back to John 7? Verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren his brothers and family. Therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself unto the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into this feast, I go not up yet into this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. I've entitled this message... Jesus' unbelieving brethren. These were the brothers and sisters in the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ that said this to him. His siblings. Now I realize the Catholic Church has taught that Mary remained a virgin throughout her days. Uh, the scripture will not support that. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 13, the siblings of the Lord are named. He had brothers and sisters. Joseph and Mary knew who he was. But evidently, his siblings did not really know who he was. Did Joseph and Mary tell them who he was? I believe they did. But they did not believe. I want to read a passage from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And the multitude cometh together so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard, and my marginal reading says his family, his brothers and sisters, this is at the beginning of his public ministry. His friends heard these people come to hear him. And they went out to lay hold on him. For they said, he's beside himself. He's crazy. Who does he think he is? 
This was the testimony of his brothers and his sisters. Now, they did not believe. Neither did his brethren believe in him. One day, some of them would. You know, the writer of James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, was the Lord's brother. Jude is written by the one who is the Lord's brother. There are some people who would believe, but at this time, they do not believe. Now, one thinks... How could you be raised in the same home with the Lord Jesus Christ and see him every day and behold his life and not believe? You know, that answer is easy. Sin. Human sin and human depravity. These siblings of our Lord watched him grow up they knew him they saw a perfect life and they were clueless <laughs> they didn't get it they saw holiness and they had no recognition of that you know the natural man wouldn't know holiness if he saw it they saw it. Somebody says, I want people to see Christ in me. I understand that sentiment. But remember, they didn't see Christ in Christ. They saw no beauty in him. They saw no glory in him. They saw no glory in his life or his obedience. They did not believe him. Verse 1 of chapter 7, after these things... Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now this began in chapter 5 when he healed a man that was paralyzed. And he did it on the Sabbath day. And they saw this man walking and he said, what are you doing this on the Sabbath day? He said, well, he that healed me, the same told me to take up my bed and walk. And the scripture says they sought to slay Jesus. You see, he had demonstrated in their mind no respect for their religion. And they sought to slay him. That's when these murderous attempts began. And the Lord at this time did not go into Jewry. Because he knew that they were seeking to slay him. Now, was he afraid? Of course not. They were in his hands. <laughs> he wasn't in their hands. He would die at the appointed time, but not before then. Verse 2, now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Now, this commemorated the time in the 40 years in the wilderness, how they traveled in the wilderness, and they were called upon to go to Jerusalem. This is one of three festivals or feasts that they were called upon to go to Jerusalem once a year, and this would last eight days, the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 3, 
his brethren, his brothers and sisters, therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go ye into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret. And he himself seeketh to be known openly, if thou do these things. If. If thou do these things. This is the language of unbelief. If thou do these things. Show yourself to the world. Seek to be known openly. Go up to Jerusalem where there's a crowd and let people see what you are doing. That is how you'll get a following. That is uh, the way you can be seen on a greater scale and you'll have more influence. You'll have more disciples. You'll reach more people. You'll do more good if you go up into Jerusalem so people can hear you. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that advice? You know, on the surface, it sounds good. It seems to make good sense. Go up to the crowds where you can have more influence and more people will hear you. Verse 4, For there's no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. No man does anything in secret. If you're real, prove it. Show yourself to these people. No man does anything in secret. Hold your finger there and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And what a miserable reward that is. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Verse 16, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in 
secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. No man doeth anything in secret. We better. We better. These are the words of the Lord. Now his brethren, his unbelieving brethren are exposed by the use of the word if. If, remember when Satan said, if thou be the son of God, prove it. Command that these stones be made bread. Jump off the temple. The scripture says uh, that he'll give his angels charge of thee, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Give us some Tangible, empirical evidence, something that we can see. Prove it. If, if you really do these things, they're putting a question mark on it, aren't they? If you do these things, prove it. Show us. Demonstrate it. Give us something that we can see. I think of what the Pharisees said to the Lord How long do you make us doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us. I love the Lord's answer. I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness of me. But you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now while his brethren did not believe, he still got a people he calls my sheep. There are sheep and there are goats. A goat never becomes a sheep and a sheep never becomes a goat. Sheep believe. Goats do not believe. Christ has a people he calls his sheep. They are the people he died for. I lay down my life for the sheep. He didn't die for goats. His sheep are his Elect all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He said with regard to his sheep, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are thine. Now, John gives an editorial comment in verse 5. I love the way he does this. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Perhaps they wanted him to be famous. And that's why they said, go up where everybody can see you. 
You can do more good that way. You can influence more people. You can be more successful in a bigger crowd. Go up unto Jerusalem. Show yourself. Seek to be known. You'll have more disciples, more converts. You can do more good. You know, that sounds like the average church growth campaign, doesn't it? I remember when we started this church in 1982, started in a storefront. And in 1983, we were still in that storefront, and I was still probably preaching to eight or ten people and working at the time and uh, thinking, is the Lord in this? And there was an advertisement in the Lexington Herald-Leader, a new reformed church starting. And all I knew at the time of Reformed was total depravity, tulip, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints, tulip, you've heard of that, the doctrine of grace. And we had gone to uh, several churches, many churches actually, before we started this church, looking to find where this can be preached. And we didn't hear it. Where We didn't hear it. That's when we thought, well, let's start another church. And then I heard of this Reformed church. And I remember Paul Walmsley and I went to the first meeting because I thought if there's going to be a Reformed church, we don't need to be doing this. I didn't know what reform means. I wouldn't take that moniker now. But at the time, all I understood was the five points. And um, I said, let's go to this meeting and see what they have to say. And we went there and the church... Um, said were reformed and never told what reformed was, and they went on to talk about their 10-year plan. Here's what we're going to do. And they had hired a demographer to consult and find them where the population was moving, where there would be the most growth, where there would be the most people, where you'd have the, the best place to, to start a church and you could influence more people and you could do more good. And, and they had a 10-year plan about how we're going to start a school, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I was always a man without a plan. You know, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have any plans. And when I heard that, I thought, this sounds, where's their faith in this? Where's their, where's their looking to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this? They, they had everything down pat. This is what we're going to do. Sounds good, doesn't it? But I knew I didn't, I didn't believe any of that. <laughs> and so um, I... Saul, this is not the direction that we're going to go. Now, these brethren demonstrated a fundamental ignorance of who their brother was. They had no idea of what it was he came to do. They grew up with him, but they were clueless. Faith is made of these three things. Number one, you know who he is. Number two, you believe what he says. Number three, you rely 
on what he did. That is saving faith. You know who he is. His brethren didn't. You know that he is God the Son, the second person of the blessed Trinity, the creator of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You know who he is, and really everything you believe is predicated on knowing who he is. When you know who he is, you know everything else. If you know who he is, you know what you're going to do? You're going to believe what he says. You're going to believe every word he says, right down to the most minute detail. And you're going to love what he says because of who he is. If you believe what he says, you're going to rely on him only as everything in your salvation. You, you see, he said, I am the way. You believe that. I am the truth. You believe that. I am the life. You believe that. You believe his life is your life before God. You are completely relying on who he is and what he did as all that's needed to make you perfect before God. You believe. These men did not believe his words. And they demonstrated that by saying, if you do these things. When they told him that he needed to show himself in the world, they demonstrated no understanding of what he came to do in the first place. These were men with no spiritual understanding, even though they were raised up with the Lord. They grew up with him. They saw his life. They heard what he said. But they were still clueless. They had no understanding of why he came in the first place. You see, the Lord didn't come to gain a following. The Lord didn't come to start a new religion. The Lord didn't come to influence the culture and change the culture and, and, and make the world a better place. That's not why he came. Turn back to John chapter 5 for just a moment. Verse 41. I receive not honor from men. You know what the Lord is saying to these people? I do not need nor want your approval. I don't receive honor from men. But I know you, verse 42, that you have not the love of God in you. I'm come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not that honor that cometh from God only? How can you believe? 
You see, he didn't listen to me. He didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to gain a following. He came to save the elect. That is why he came. He came to save his people. That was his purpose in coming. Verse 5 of our text. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come. He said this to his, his unbelieving brethren. My time is not yet come. But your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you. But me it hateth. Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast. For my time is not yet full come. Now how many times, I know you've read this and Wondered about it. How many times did the Lord perform a miracle and say, don't tell anybody about it? You know, he did that a lot. He performed some glorious miracle and said, don't, tell, don't breathe a word of this to anybody. I, now, that's not the way I would have done it. I said, tell everybody. <laughs> tell everybody. Demonstrate who I am. To show folks. That's the way I would think. That's probably the way you'd think too. Let's, let's make this uh, famous. Let's get a name. Let's influence people with if they hear about this this will be great he said don't tell anybody a word my time is not yet come you see he came for a specific hour You know, at the beginning of this book of John, at the beginning of his public ministry, he said to his mother, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Look in the 30th verse of John chapter 7. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not Yet come. Look in chapter 8, verse 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. You know, at the very beginning of his public ministry, after his first public sermon... In his hometown of Nazareth, we read, And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up to thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill where their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong, head first, throw him off the cliff. But he, passing through the midst of them, I don't know if this was some kind of miracle where all of a sudden they couldn't see him because they had him and getting ready to throw him off a cliff. 
but he just passed through the midst of them and went his way. You know why? Because his hour was not yet come. Look in John chapter 8, verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself. How did he do this? I don't know. And went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. These people that wanted to stone him, he just passed through their midst. And so passed by. Look in John chapter 12. Verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come. Did you hear that? The hour is come. That the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die... It bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this Hour. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come. Chapter 17. Verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. The reason for the creation of the universe is this hour. The reason for everything is for this hour. Now he would... Later, pray in Gethsemane's garden that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. What? What's he talking about? Jesus Christ came for this purpose. He came for this hour to die. That is why he came. He's called in Revelation 13 verse 8. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is God's eternal purpose. Which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He came to die. When he prayed Father, if it be possible, let this hour pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. 
He knew this was the time, and you and I will never understand this. We can only adore and wonder at his glory and his greatness. But when he saw that he was getting ready to bear the sins of his people, when he was going to drink the cup of their sins and take their sins in his own body on the tree, in his humanity, he was overcome. And he said, if it be possible, let this cup. You see, you and I don't really understand sin. Not really. He did. He did. And he knew he was going to take the sins of his people in his own body on the tree. This was his purpose in Coming. What his brethren did not know was this. He came to die. He said, at this time my hour has not yet come. But it's coming. You see, if he did not die, there would be no resurrection. You see, if he came and lived this perfect, glorious life that he lived, oh, don't you love to think of the life of Jesus Christ? So beautiful, so honoring to God, everything he did. Perfection. Oh, the beauty of Jesus Christ, the beauty of his life, the beauty of his obedience. If he came and did all that and went back to heaven, what good would that do me and you? All it would do is condemn us. That's it. Wouldn't do us any good at all. If he didn't die, there would be no resurrection from the dead. You see, there's something that took place in his resurrection. He came to die. This is the mo- I, I want to say this. I, I say this quite often, and I'm going to say it again. The death of Jesus Christ is the most godlike thing God ever did. You know, even... In glory, when we behold him who lives, he's going to have the marks of his death on his body. He's still bearing the scars of his death. And that'll be a reminder to us when we're in glory, when we won't even remember what it's like to be a sinner. We're only there because of his death. There is no other reason. I am there because of his life, his death. He put away my sin, his resurrection. He came to die. He came to put away sin by his death. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says, He was delivered for our offenses. That's what my sin is. It's an offense. An affront to the God of glory. God could not accept me and my sin and still be God. It would be a violation of his character. He couldn't do that. But he was delivered for our offenses. Do I see my sin in that light? My 
offenses. And he was raised again. He couldn't be raised again without his death. But he was raised again for our justification. Now listen real carefully to this statement. Everybody that Jesus Christ died for, their sin is put away. They're justified. They stand before God without sin. Perfect in God's sight. Justified. Now, when they were calling into question the Lord, his time had not yet come. In his death, he completely glorified God. The hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son might also glorify thee. In his death, he magnified every attribute of God. He made the way for God to be just and justify the ungodly in his death. But you know what else he did in his death? He saved his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one: Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that is exactly what he did. Now for the big question. Am I one of his people? Am I one of the people he represented? I wouldn't dare say, well, I better be. I'm his creature. He's no, 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 no. What a what a horrible attitude. Am I one of his people? Did he die for me? Well, listen to this scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says this is a faithful saying. You can rely on this. You can rely on this. It's worthy of all acceptation. Everybody ought to jump for joy and receive this saying. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. Does that ring your bell? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Are you a sinner? Does that define and describe you? Are you a sinner? If you are, Christ came into the world to save you. That's the hour for which he came, to save you.
His brethren didn't believe him, but you know what I think is so blessed? They won, some of them at any rate would. James did. Jude did. They wrote scripture. And I pray that every one of us might be sinners whom he has saved who believe on him. Lord, how we thank you for your gospel. How we thank you for the hour for which you came to die on the cross for sinners and put away their sins and be raised again for their justification. Lord, I ask in the name of thy son that you would give everybody in this room saving faith to believe on the Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing 249, just as I am. 249. Just as